0: a lovely day asshole okay finn i'm calling a crisis meeting for the podcast have you sat down uh,
1: i have this is a, like a, a glasses on or glasses off crisis meeting
0: okay unpack for me the difference between a glasses on and glasses off well if it's a glasses
1: on meeting then power through i can go like but oh,
0: you can take off your glasses yeah oh okay
1: but if it's if it's a glasses off one then starts down here and then like later on you might say something and i can go
0: I, th- th- is that not the same <laughs> gesture in reverse?
1: I don't know. It's, it's up to the <laughs> viewing audience to decide.
0: Because I would have thought the difference between glasses on and glasses off is how much potential face trauma might occur.
1: <laughs> that is also something I have to take into account, yes.
0: Okay. I'm, I want to leave the choice up to you. Mm. You're aware of the, the logline pitch of, of our podcast. Uh, it's called Shite and Sound mm. where um, we watch a good film from the BFI's top 100 list and a a bad film that's similar to it in some way yes i it's become someone spoke to me recently it was me and said that recently we watched two good films which is against the spirit of the podcast it
1: absolutely is sounds like a real blunder we made
0: it's well we did it once before when we watched imitation of life and whatever happened to Baby Jane? Yeah. And we promised then we'd never do it again.
1: And then we did it pretty soon after with The Life of Death, Colonel Blimp and Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Uh,
0: that, that is true. And then we did it uh, again with Intolerance and Crash. <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to create the kind of workplace where people risk coming into work and seeing two good films. Mm.
1: I it, it almost feels like gaslighting in a way. When you tell someone you're going to watch one good film, one bad film, and then they come in to watch
0: two good films. You know, suddenly they go into a spiral. Like which, which one was supposed to be bad? Yeah. The thing I want to ask you, uh, you're the one who proposed the quote unquote bad film mm. is what were you expecting to occur in my mind? Cause obviously we watched Bresson's a man escape, mm. um, which, is, um, I first time I've encountered one of his films, but definitely not the last cause it was, uh, a spellbinding and immaculately observed exploration of how the desperate need to survive yeah and then after that showing me escape plan in which um Sylvester Stylone and Arnold Schwarzenegger um are in a giant boat prison <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: being overseen by Jesus Christ
0: and in this film I want to be I want to lay out the charges yeah they kick butt And as if that wasn't enough, then they take names. Here's what I think
1: went wrong. It's been a very long time since I've seen Escape Plan. Yeah. I saw it on Sky Movies one afternoon. Didn't Uh, really pay that much attention to it. Classic scenario to watch a bad film. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) I've seen so many bad films that way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, this is just like a dumb action movie with Stallone and Schwarzenegger. You know, whatever. And then when it it was coming time to, to do this episode, I was like, what, like, bad prison escape movies are there? And I went to a list of prison escape movies and then selected sort by lowest rated first. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is one of the, the lowest rated uh, prison escape movies. At this point in their career, both Delone and Schwarzenegger are kind of like, they're in a the movie, okay. And it's directed yeah. by some like Norwegian guy, no one's ever heard of. Maybe, maybe Swedish. No, yeah, I think he's Swedish, right? What I forgot about the movie in the like in the intervening he, uh, he the- is Swedish. Yeah. He's,
0: he directed fourteen oh eight, the Stephen King John Cusack vehicle.
1: Okay, so what I forgot in the intervening years is that this movie has an incredibly stacked supporting cast. Yeah, the supporting cast of this movie. Every time a new actor came on screen, we were
0: both like, "Oh fuck yes!" There's <laughs> <Dead's laughs> a point where someone takes off uh a horrific emotionless mask to reveal underneath another horrific emotionless mask that's right it's Vinny jones and that's not even the best cast member mm. reveal because oh no sly mm. sly Vester needs some medical help so yeah, the he, door he, he, opens
1: well so yeah so he, he's been trapped in a, he's been trapped in a box for a while that, yeah. that, that was his punishment in prison for fighting He's been trapped in a box where one of the walls is just like a yeah. giant like bank of like floodlights. Yeah. He's getting roasted and blinded in this in this metal box. And then the lights are turned off, the doors opened, and who's that? Standing in the doorway. Damien himself.
0: Sam, Sam Neil. Neal. Wearing a doctor's coat and with a stethoscope around his neck. And as proud our we both stood rigid immediately, clamped our fists over our hearts, and sung the national anthem. <laughs> Because there is not a film that is not improved by the inclusion of Sam Neill. Yeah. And Sam Neill, if anything, did you know Sam Neill's name is not his name? Yeah. Uh, It's a stage name. And it just comes from the fact that the power of his acting is so great that you cannot but kneel before him.
1: Oh, I... I I, I I thought it was a clever spoonerism. Originally, he was not a human. He was actually uh, a semi-aquatic mammal from uh, <laughs> from Southeast Asia. Uh, keep, his going, was, his okay. name was Nam Seal, and so when he when he was transformed into a human, he uh, uh, needed a human name. He had to spoon. He decided to spoonerize it and become Sam Neil.
0: Um. I mean, I obviously already know this. Yes. But for the listeners... This this is something
1: that you learn first day of year one in any New Zealand primary school. Yeah. You learn about how
0: Sam Neill was originally called Nam Seal. How to eat a lamington. (laughs) What a cheese roll is. How to say fush and chops correctly. (laughs) Um, But when Nam Seal became Sam Neill, I know this, as as we've discussed, Mm. but did he... Does he have the power to change his form at will, or was it an exterior... Mystic being that that changed his life force. Thus,
1: so he made a deal with an underwater octopus. Which, uh, yeah,
0: he gave up his
1: seal powers <laughs> to become uh, New Zealand's most iconic actor.
0: So, as you have both gaslit and entrapped me into seeing two good films, how are you going to make amends, and how are we going to stop this ever happening again?
1: Yeah well i i know that in two episodes time uh, i've got plans over we're gonna watch two good movies blue velvet and twin peaks fire walk with me
0: uh see here's the thing i agree with roger ebert on blue <laughs> yeah and velvet. You, yeah I you, think you, it's one... think
1: it's, yeah I think it's one out of four stars oh well, roger should have, should have taken that back yeah. uh, if only he'd said sorry david david lynch wouldn't have given him cancer <laughs> Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode we watched number 72 on the Sight and Sound list, A Man Escaped, Robert Bresson's starkly beautiful and minutely observed portrait of a resistance fighter trying to escape from prison in Nazi-occupied France. Our second film this week is Escape Plan, uh, where Sliced Alone gets put in a prison, and then he makes a plan uh, to escape. <laughs> In conclusion, you kind of liked Escape Plan.
0: Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. I liked a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's exactly what it wants to be. Yeah, a film where Amy Ryan and a bad wig walks away from an exploding car,
1: A not particularly impressive explosion. You'll have any movie with a scene where Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger clearly do not have a fight with each other.
0: <laughs> I the is I every fight scene I've ever seen from my buckles being swashed and Robin Hood. To my rockets being tiered in Iron Man Two, I've always thought. Do you know what would make this a lot it's, better? It's,
1: look, it's it's called it's called Tetsuo Two Body Hammer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, the Tetsuo one...
1: Two Body Hammer, good movie. <laughs> uh, okay, it's got a scene where a man explodes his own child accidentally.
0: It rules. I mean. Let, there's a lot of very shifting parameters of what good (laughs) means it's certainly like it's not bad nope it it is it's a singular expression of one person's mind it it absolutely is and that mind is screaming yeah
1: this year i'm going to try and watch every single one of shinya Sukumoto's movies is he still making films uh yeah he's still acting in movies he's one of the main uh, japanese guys in silence the Scorsese movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is uh, about as far as you can get away from a Shinya Tsukamoto movie as you could possibly imagine.
0: Yeah, that's fair. There's some torture in Silence. I've Spoilers, I've not seen Silence. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I, I look forward to it.
1: I think only his Tetsuo movies and, like, one or two of his shorts are like that. And I think the, the rest of his stuff is is pretty different stylistically.
0: Oh, yeah. Bullet
1: Ballet. Yeah, Bullet Ballet, Kotoko, A Snake of June. Tokyo Fist. So, I'm, a, I'm very excited for Tokyo Fist.
0: Oh, he played the Japanese voice of Vamp in Middle Gear Solid. Middle Gear Solid uh, 4, Guns of the Patriot. No, of course it's called that. So. Yeah. I mean, what else would you call the fourth and?
1: No, I mean, like, no, that's that's the only, that's the only one. I mean, it's Until not the fourth don't...
0: in the series because there's Middle Gear, then mm. Middle Gear Two: Snakes Revenge. Yep. Middle Gear Solid. Right. Middle Gear Acid. Of course. Middle Gear Acid Two. No. Middle <laughs> Gear Solid Two: Sons of Liberty. Middle Gear Solid Three: Snake Eater. <coughs> middle Gear Solid Four: Guns of the Patriot. Right. Um. Middle Gear Solid Portable Ops. So, w- 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 Middle w- Gear Solid, Peace Walker, mm. Middle Gear Solid, The Phantom Pain, um, Middle Gear Survive. What uh, how, how many more till you get to five? Oh, we've passed five. Oh, uh, okay. Middle Gear Rising, uh. Colon Revengeance. Uh, um that, how how many of these games have you played? Uh, I'd say half. I mean, Middle Gear Solid Three, Snake Eater, is a, a legit all-time argument. But video games as art which is the one where snake uh, which is the one where he's punished that is phantom pain and ground Zeroes. okay that's when he's key for sutherland okay yeah because in in middle gear solid two and four he's solid right yeah solid snake uh in three he's naked snake right um and of course there's uh the villain of middle gear solid mm. Is Liquid Snake, his brother. Ah. With the f- at the end of the credits, there's a reveal that there's a third brother, Solidus Snake, <laughs> who you're not like. You, you laughed at the wrong point. No, I didn't. Because the reveal. Can I, I'll, I did, I'll, A joke and I have two punchlines. So I'll be Revolver Ocelot. Uh, we'll play out the twist reveal. These are the final lines in the first Metal Gear Solidus. Okay. Um, so I'm reporting into you. Good work. Why, thank you. Mr. President. (laughs) (laughs) And he's the villain of Metal Gear Solid 2, a game that had to be heavily censored (laughs) post-9-11 as it contains the apocalyptic destruction of New York City. So, A Man Escaped, Robert Bresson, Uh, is a figure who looms large over the BFI top 250 and the top 100 Mm. for our purposes. He's the man with the most films on the whole list, on the 250 list. He has seven films. Three in the top one hundred. Oh, his best film title is The Devil, probably. This is my first real encounter mm. with him. I've known of him, of his uh, impression and how to to some what is it? It is it was Goddard who said Resson's French cinema in the way that Mozart is German music. Right, yeah. Um, and so I've always kind of had a sense of him, especially as this kind of incredibly minimalist um and uh not experimental, but like non-narrative filmmaker. Mm. He's someone who focuses on moments more than he does on stories. Yes. And, and like the real sense of like a man escape, it's kind of hard to spoil because the title does it. Yeah. There's a guy. There, there, there's there's, there's Norris wisdom in this movie. He, he, he escapes. So much of the success of this film is that we didn't know that until the end happened yeah until even the
1: very last shot in,
0: in, and and even in that very last mm. shot of them going into the darkness you're like oh maybe mm. yeah it could be a nazi oh come on is it all a trick but yeah i knew he i knew he used non-professional actors i knew there was not much music in his work and when there was music it was found music as opposed to music especially mm. composed for the film like a man escaped has the incredible brag which is like music by mozart if you can have that credit yeah why not why is that not the top of the poster you know um but yeah what was your what's your relationship with robert Bresson?
1: this was my second Bresson film i saw the diary of a country priest a few years ago when i was uh, writing an essay on first reformed and The Problem of Evil in film. I'd already seen First Reform before, but I wanted to check out the two movies that influenced it the most, which mm. were Diary of a Country Priest and Bergman's Winterlight. Yeah. And uh, and Joker. It's a, a masterwork. Every time I get up on stage, these days to do my comedy jokes, I'm wearing like a red vest. I'm looking good. My hair's too long. <laughs> and, you know, you look at me and you're like,
0: what the fuck? <laughs> 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 okay, let's unpack that. So you are both in the audience and on the stage, and you are dressed as Joaquin Phoenix, as Jared Leto, as the Joker. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got. And is it you on stage or you in the audience uh, I'm, who's I'm, saying I'm, what the fuck?
1: No, no, it's, it's it's someone else in the audience saying what the fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm 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 just on stage. Um, I I cannot be two places at once.
0: And this so often happens. Yes. You must have a comedy a rebuttal just right in the pocket.
1: Yeah, I'm when I'm up on stage doing my comedy jokes, wearing yeah. my red vest, my hair's too long, uh, and someone looks at me and says, What the fuck? I turn to them, I look them dead in my eyes, and I say, Do you know what happens? <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember that fucking line. Do you, do you what 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 do you what do you get when you uh, cross uh, uh, Joker. Uh, yeah, Well, you get when you cross the Joker with uh, some old meanie pants? <laughs> and they're like, what? I don't know. And I'm like, this fucker. And I shoot him in the face. And that's why I've been banned from the classic. <laughs> uh, we live in a society.
0: Yep. Can it's you... me and TJ Miller where the two people have been banned. <laughs> and I've somehow become. <laughs> I'm not allowed in. I was too. I was my my jokes were too edgy. Yep,
1: mate. they certainly were.
0: I was I was attacking people too weak. Because <laughs> if there's one thing, my comedy's... does my comedy play guitar for you too? Because <laughs> it is the edge. Is your comedy a Canadian wrestler? Because it is the edge. <laughs> my comedy, a film I think with Anthony Hopkins in it. The edge, maybe the edge film. Are you are you thinking of, of the father? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh the edge <laughs> is a 1997 survival film directed by lee tamahuri oh, okay um again what we've cut from the podcast there is us standing to sing the new zealand national anthem starring anthony hopkins and alec baldwin oh right is, is, harold perignon oh wow is there a grizzly <laughs> bear in that movie uh no no there's a kodiak oh bear. a kodiak right yeah.
1: That was like the famous Kodiak bear who was in that.
0: Yeah, ba- Ye- Bart. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and then, yeah, he, he became like the biggest bear star in the world uh, after being in The Edge. I mean, yeah.
0: Paddington has been around for a long time. Yeah,
1: when you look at the, the two parabolas of, of Paddington's career and Bart's career, Paddington is sort of like. A gentle curve over time, as more and more people come to love him and recognize that he is like uh, really the 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 only bear of import in cinema. Yeah. Whereas Bart was just like whoop, went real high, real
0: early, and then straight back down. Do you think Bart now sits at home, you know, a, cu- a couple of hibernations overweight, yeah, just, smoking just, a stogie, drinking just, whiskey? Well, I was gonna say he's just like sur- surrounded by empty honey pots, <laughs> <laughs> and he's watching Arctic. And he sees the polar bear attacking Mads Mikkelsen. Man, he goes that, like, That could have been me. Put me in a fucking wig. I could take on Mads. Oh, I'll do white face to work with Mads. And then, he, then he's watching the hunt. White, white fur. Sorry, white fur. <laughs> uh, then he's watching the hunt, swirling his whiskey going, I could be a member of a town turned against Mads Mickelson. I could. God damn it. I could kick Mads Mickelson out of a grocery store. <laughs> just, just give me a shot. I could do it. <laughs> That, the, the butcher who kicks him out of that grocery store. Oh, man. If you told me <laughs> that that actor who was is, secretly a bear. I, I want to be clear, very good and gives a great performance. Yeah. But if you told me that actor who was a grizzly bear with skin <laughs> plastered over him, I would be like. Thomas Lindenberg does work in, <laughs> in very like outre uh, and sometimes unconventional ways. Absolutely. So the man escaped, or to use its full name, I'm uh, where are you come on, Jesus Christ. I've opened too many tabs. Uh suicide time. Um it it's not, it's never suicide time. If if it feels like that to you, gear, yeah, get some help. Um uh unless you're in New Zealand where our mental health system is woefully underfunded. Yep. O-
1: only in New Zealand, every other country, perfect mental health systems.
0: Well, I look at uh, America yeah. right now, a country that really needs to chill out. And I see that while its healthcare system may be uh, an international joke, uh, the country provides by freezing Texas. So I feel like I'm the first person to notice that's like hell literally freezing over. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway anyone's trying to figure out what day we recorded this on. This is the day that
1: Ted Cruz had to come back from Cancun, <laughs> and I mean, I mean, his wife's group text got leaked to the New York Times. Whoa! What does it say? Uh, it was a bunch of texts like between her and her friends, I guess. Uh, they, they just like totally disproved the whole thing about the thing it had it, been, been planned for ages and and my daughters want to go was ted yeah. cruz's thing there's a bunch of heidi cruz's uh, group texts which which one of her friends linked <laughs> to the new york times which uh, would show that it was actually a last minute decision <laughs> and it was totally like ted cruz's idea
0: i that is like the least damaging information i could see coming yeah. out of heidi cruz's group text because i would just assume it'd be like hey guys lol today ted was talking again about how proud he is of the fact that his father's the zodiac killer yeah. and then i had he got so excited that he ran his batteries down and oh. so i had to take off his clothes to reveal his plastic ken doll body and change the two double a batteries yeah. that he has in the place of a heart
1: yeah or like hey everyone Remember how I'm, like, a managing director at Goldman Sachs? Does anyone <laughs> want to help me do some inside trading today? So that's what I think Heidi Cruz texts to her friends.
0: Hey, guys, are oh, you guys able to donate more pubic hair again? We have to sew it into Ted's face. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's the thing about Ted Cruz. What the fuck? <laughs> like, yep. every just, decision Just, just like the Joker, him. what the fuck? <laughs> but, like, what is it like? Inside Ted Cruz's mind, like, what does he think he's doing? That's right or good? No, he 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 loves
1: he loves oil. And he, does he though? Yeah, he loves taking a big old bath in it. He loves slurping
0: it down, <laughs> <laughs> but that's to lubricate his inside circuit, you know.
1: Well, may, maybe, I guess we'll have to cut them open and find out.
0: Here's the thing. If we designed a robotic human, it would be better than Ted Cruz. <laughs> like, it's insulting yeah, no,
1: it, to simulated beings. Oh, yeah. No, if we designed a robotic human, it would it would be Robert Bill
0: and Robot Ted from, <laughs> from Bill and Ted's focus oh, journey. Robot Bill, Robot Ted. So, A Man Escaped, or to use its full title, A Man Escaped, or The Wind Bloweth Where It Listeth, which I believe is a biblical reference. Uh, it
1: is, yes. There's lots of Bible stuff in both of these movies. So that's another connection. It's World War Two times, yeah. nineteen forty-three. The film opens on a shot of a prison uh, with, with, with a plaque saying, "During the Nazi occupation of France, ten thousand men were were imprisoned here. Uh, over seven thousand of them died." And then the film flashes back to 1943. This is uh, based on a real, uh, based on a real person who really escaped from a real prison. Yeah, Andre and and Devigny. Yes, and it, it, it's shot in the real prison
0: that he escaped from. I believe so. Yes,
1: and later on in the film, they use the the real uh, escape tools that he that he made in prison to escape the prison.
0: Devigny was a member of the French Resistance. Mm. That's why he was in prison. Bresson was also put uh, in prison by the Nazis because he was part of the French mm. Resistance. Um, and so there's this real sense of the film being lived in. Yes. It, 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 it spends a lot of time. If, if I was going to describe this film, I would say it spends a lot of time showing you stuff like the plot is a man tries to escape prison and then does with very little outside of that. Yeah. Of
1: all the prison escape films I've seen, this I think does the best job of sh- of like showing you the process of, figuring out how to escape, and doing every single part of that process.
0: Well, there's no, there's kind of nothing else to show you. It, yeah. it, it throws a knot in the arrangement later on when uh, more people are brought to the prison, so he has to share his cell with a, a 16-year-old who was forced into the German army, yeah. and he has to work out whether to take this guy with him or kill him, which uh, is, was just an incredibly compelling moral conundrum for a character to be faced with mm. this film is
1: kind of almost entirely like constructed of montages of this guy uh like you know um sharpening a spoon so that he can uh so he can like cut away parts of his door or ripping apart his bed so that he can use the wire from a bed frame to like make rope and yeah it's just full of these like these these very long montages of him doing. Every single mind-numbing step in, like, in trying to come up with a way to escape from prison,
0: he gets the spoon, then he sharpens the spoon into a tool, and then he is just working on the soft wood that is used to join his door together. Yeah, just for, scraping
1: uh, for like
0: uh, two months. Yeah, he scrapes slowly up and down. He says he, he thought it will take one week per panel on the door. Yeah. And then later in in narration, the film is pretty heavily narrated by Francois Leterrier, who plays Fontaine, Mm. the man escaped, who was uh, at that point just a philosophy student. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Bresson uh, kind of made it his business to work with non-professional, non-experienced actors. He had this big theory of acting about, like, there are models who take what is internal and make it external. He was about actors for the screen. They take what is external and make it internal. And there's right. so much of acting is training people wrong. You know this guy is French because he's mm. like, I have a whole philosophy of this. And it's about how the way people do it usually is wrong. <laughs> That's how French he is. Yeah, um, and, and he would go through many takes to get people's performances smaller and smaller. Uh, and Francois Leterrier um, went on to direct other things, including an Emmanuel film, so cool, I N- guess. Yeah, but he narrates a lot of the film, and later we get this narration of him being like, "Yeah, it took a month to carve around the panels on the door so he can move them, and then he has to get a second spoon because
1: his first one breaks because he doesn't have enough leverage."
0: Yeah, and so he gets two, so he can now go through his door. And this film is a hundred minutes long and it feels both much longer and much shorter than yeah. that. Cause just the amount of time you spend with him scraping the, the bits of the door, like the creases in the door, you're like, this is taking forever. And then you hear like, he had to do this for a week and you're like, you know, maybe I don't want to go to prison. <laughs> Seems like so much fun before. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have the thought like, maybe it'd be good to get in pre- go to prison because I'd be able to get a bunch of reading done.
1: I mean, uh, uh, yes, I, I have I have also thought that. My two things that I would do in prison is I, I, would, I would get a lot of reading done and I would also become the world's best underground prison fighting MMA champion like Scott Adkins in the Undisputed series.
0: Uh, of, of course. Mm. Uh, and well, of how, course what fun. would your process for doing that be?
1: Uh... I would just remember all of the moves that Scott Adkins does in the Undisputed series and then trying to figure out how to do them. Anyway, a man escaped.
0: It is interesting seeing this film after the third man. So Mm. close to seeing the third man because the third man is obviously, um, brilliant. It's no triple X, but it's great. Mm. And it is that how much of the visual language of these films is similar Mm. in that there is a effortless and pointed stylization. The start, haunting lighting and the aesthetically I think you could make a lot of comparisons, but the feeling within them is totally different. Yeah. Yes. Whereas yes. the third man is about this kind of Kafka uh, um, boiling pot of crime. And, and that, that meaningfully and pointedly defies geographical logic. Whereas man escaped with Bresson is very deliberately using all those same tools to ground you in the play.
1: This movie takes place like almost entirely within like three rooms and like, and like with, a couple of shots of a courtyard.
0: Yeah. With like 70% of it being in his cell, possibly yeah. more like spend a lot of time in that tiny room mm. and, and you get to know it so well. And so that like every time you learn a little bit of it, a new bit of it, you're like, Ooh, like there's a bit where he shows, uh, his cellmate where he hides the pencil. And you're like, oh, pencil hiding place. Haven't been here before. Nice. Well, usually he just keeps a bucket, but he shits in in there. Yeah. Now he's hiding a pencil. That's right. Uh, there's a lot of kind of slop bucket focused content in Mm -hmm. the film, but no actual shit as far as I could tell. No. Maybe. Who who knows? It's in black and white and Mm -hmm. that gray stuff could be anything. Yeah. How... That's why fake love films made in the forties. Mm. It could be anything. No, mm-hmm.
1: it's just too bad they they ran the whole film for a for a for a de lumpening filter before they. <laughs>
0: no. What? Very no.
1: okay. no. upsetting that, that I had to be cancelled for for anything. But uh, it's too bad it was that.
0: So, Finn, explain to me <laughs> the de lumpening <laughs> filter. Yep. Did Brisson, Was that a choice Bresson made? Uh, no, it's just something all films had to go through from the early
1: thirties until yeah. the late sixties in America. All films made by Hollywood were, were made under what we call the the Production Code or the, or the Hays Code. That was just for America, but at, but at the same time there, there, there was a there was a worldwide code in, introduced, uh, which meant that you couldn't uh, show anything that, that even suggested a human shit on film. So around this time, I think it was
0: Joseph von Sternberg. And to be clear that was the whole contents of the code yeah just no shit yeah everything else was fine yeah i believe it, w- it, w- it was joseph von
1: sternberg who you know was a was a, a weird uh, fetishy dude who made weird fetishy movies yeah he pioneered the the delumpening uh <laughs> delumpening filter uh yeah. to to take anything that might look like shit out of a film uh but so he 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 could still have he could still have shit in a film, but then You put it through the D-lump and he'd be like, I I know it's there. That's for daddy.
0: (laughs) Okay, great. Great. Uh, And now just rounding out that section that's been removed from the podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. The worst bit we've ever done. (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, the the (laughs) s*** bit. Oh, (laughs) the (laughs) s*** bit. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. It's telling that both of our worst parts are... Just bring forth fully from the mind of Fen, from the 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 from the pen of Nicholas. Yep. from the pen fifteen club, penis club. Oh, oh, well, that's what that means. That was a mad club. Yeah, what did you have to do to join?
1: I, I had to write. Yeah, uh, I had to write pen fourteen on my hand and get someone else to be the next member of the
0: club. <laughs> so you weren't even <laughs> in pen fifteen; you were in pen fourteen. <laughs> The Painter Club. <laughs> so, man Escape, He has these occasional interactions with other other prisoners. He has these yeah. occasional interactions with other prisoners. And one, Orsini is also trying to escape yeah. and fails and is executed. Yeah. Uh, to to raise the stakes,
1: almost. Yeah. Like there, there's there's one guy who's a who's a priest. There's one guy who's an old man.
0: And, and that,
1: all, all all your classic fridge archetypes.
0: And, and the, they'll chat when they have a chance to wash. Mm-hmm. Um, but apart from that, it's a film almost entirely without dialogue. There are a few moments of conversation with the second prisoner who joins the room, the 16 year old. Yeah, But yeah, it is largely a narration driven film. And it's so interesting because the narration, a lot of the time is incredibly direct. Yes. It's like he sharpened his knife to make a tool to dig through the wall And yet it never felt, at least to me, like it was over-explaining. No, no. Because it feels like it was his internal narration. Like, I have to do this. This has to be the process.
1: Yeah, it it, it feels like someone who's, like, explaining the process of, like, this person's escape, like, to themselves, just to, like, keep themselves sane and just, like, have something to focus on. Like, this, this is my task that I'm doing right now. And this is the thing that matters, and I'm going to just like make sure that I that I only focus on this task and get this done.
0: So much of the art of this film is in how microscopically small it is, mm. about how it is taking these, this fragment narrative of just kind of one process in one man's life through to its logical endpoint, and like the moment they're out, the film ends. It's like one shot later, thin. Um, and so much of its pleasure and. So much of its success is in its simplicity, and so it is just kind of when we just got to be like see it, like obviously see it like yeah. it's obviously sound, but there's just really not much to talk about. That
1: is correct. I think, I think um, by the next time that we do a Brisson movie, which is Pickpocket, which is in, uh, I think, like three or four episodes, I will hopefully have read the, the Paul Schrader book Transcendental Style and Film, yeah. uh, which is about Brisson and Ozu and, and Dreyer. I'll, I think, uh, have like, more to say about Brisson's style in, in that
0: one. Well, and I think we've got a good chance for a secret miniseries hmm. uh, as we grow over Brisson um, uh, over these three films. Um, even though Pickpocket is very soon. And then um, the ox one is a million years away. Ox? Is it an ox? It's a donkey. Donkey. Yeah. Oh. Work oh. animals. Oh, Hazard
1: Belfazar uh, Yeah. Belfastar, the donkey.
0: Um, And that it is interesting to kind of meet him with almost no preconceptions. And mm. that this is not what I was... The Robert Bresson, the picture I had built in my mind, mm. was almost... In the Renoir mode of someone whose films were stately. Right, right, uh, yes. Uh, and kind of performative and, and theatrical, <laughs> which is not a dirty word. These kind of sumptuous explorations of immaculately planned frames. Whereas what what we got is a much itchier film, mm. a film that is full of tension that even if it wasn't feels handheld, it, 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 it's sunken in close on one man's face as he just goes through and so much of the tension is in the the space between things in the film. You very rarely see this guy like sweating and, you know, his knuckles turning white as a guard nearly sees him. Yeah, It is that we understand the situation. We have that context at the very beginning and we have the narration. We know what should be happening. And then we just go on the journey with him knowing that at any point it just could go horribly wrong. Yeah. And, which is a very simple mechanic, but when you do it this well, you don't have to be ornate, you know? Mm. And that, that feels to me like that's the takeaway I, I I have from Bresson now. He's not, as much as Godard uh, says he is French cinema, says Bresson is French cinema. It is like, oh, this reveals, this is when you take every bit of French cinema that is just kind of there for show away, what you have, and you have like, no, these just, hypnotic case studies of men trapped by themselves and by others.
1: Yeah. One of the things you mentioned near the end of the film, which is something I've, I've, I've heard you talk about before. I've heard you say a lot, like every great film has at least one joke in it. Near the end of the film, you're like directly after a line where the, the main character uh, has, has described his plan to the younger man. And the younger man says, are you joking? You're about to have a laugh. And he just says, I, I don't laugh. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, yeah, there's no jokes in this. And it's still like, I mean, you said this is the only movie I can think of that doesn't need a joke.
0: Yeah, I stand by. I think yeah. A Man Escaped is now the exception that proves the rule mm. that all good films should need to have at least, all good stories uh, yeah. need at least one joke, one good joke in them. And well, that is because there is no space in this film. This film is so, like, such a manicured and high tensile piece. Of, of stress mm. that anything that at any point would deflate it or release that pressure because it, it's structure is one of like 7,000 people died here. This guy's going to try and get out. You don't know if that's going to work out. Mm. And then taking that as your starting point, And it's not like it's narrative shape isn't a parabola or a whale. It is an arrow that just keeps going up, and you're like, "Oh shit, oh shit," and it just feels like at every moment everything could go wrong. Yeah, and even if just once, even if there was just one, you know, one person fell into the a shit bucket. This movie is like so intensely focused on
1: the, this one guy specifically, but but and to to a slightly lesser extent, be like like four or five men who, who he's like who he's like close to him in prison, and it. it yeah, it, it it feels like everyone else is like sort of an, like sort of an intrusion into it. Like this film steadfastly at every single opportunity, like refuses to like even attempt to like humanize the the Nazis. Like no. the prison guards are never shown in like full body shots. You, you basically never even see their faces.
0: Yeah, like, I wouldn't. What, yeah, they're always they're ob, they're obstacles yeah. rather than people.
1: Every time you see a guard. You'll see like either the the back of the head, or it'll be shot at a level where uh, where Fontaine is sitting down. You see his head and his torso, and then and then one of the guards will walk by, and you just see the arms holding a gun. Mm. And like there is there is one scene specifically where Fontaine has been taken out of a prison and he's and he's being like interrogated by uh, the the like commander of the prison. I mean, he's being brought back in. There is one like secret police member in like a pinstripe suit and a and a fedora who's like who who's walking behind him. And every single shot is framed so that some part of Fontaine's body is always covering this guy's face. And there is this there's like long scene of, of the two of them like walking back into the prison and you, you never see his face. Women going up the stairs, like his like Fontaine's shoulders over the guy's face, when he's taken back to his cell, it's all it's all done so that this guy's never a person. The Nazis in this movie are like obstacles. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And this film trusts that you understand how adject who they are and what they represent is and that's another like a a thing i'm only realizing how much in retrospect is how well this film trains you to be in fontaine's point of view and and that you are building the story entirely from information only he would have uh, and like a, 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 a recurring motif throughout is, is people looking through things in, in slightly obstructed views. There are yeah. loads of shots of him looking through a hole in his door. He talks to his neighbor through their window, which is just a tiny slit with um, metal bars in front of it. And so we never quite see the thing. And you always realize there's so, like, our understanding of Orsini's escape plan is always through hearsay. Yeah. we We don't see him attempt it. We just see we know he's trying it, and then he's arrested,
1: yeah. we see him like run off and like r- oh, r- yeah. run off into the other part of the courtyard one day, and then like later that night, you see him brought back to a cell, and then the next morning he's executed off screen,
0: yeah, the thing that I was caught so much by watching it is how this film is kind of how this film should be boring. Like the, the, the joke we made at the end was that we should do the reverse Soderbergh Raiders of the Lost Ark to this film, which is we colorize it and we add dialogue and we matter into widescreen and we add like an Imagine Dragons score and like fast cut. And it, because it is very much like the thing about the third man, again, watching it up against third man is that the third man has so much content and so much pace and so much yeah. character that to me, it feels like a modern film. Like the third man, I think you could show to anyone and they would still be like, Oh, cause it's in black and white yeah. and set in the past. But like,
1: there, there was that guy on Twitter yesterday who had the post about like, I have a rule where I don't watch movies from before 1975. And today I broke that rule in order to watch Citizen Kane for the first time. And you know what? turns out rules exist for a reason. You know, I'm sure it was innovative at its time, but showing that movie to anyone now is just hieroglyphics. This guy kind writes of for the New York Times.
0: I it's like that that you always see there's an article every year or so.
1: Um about uh, how women can't understand good fellas. <laughs> and you're like, Yes, correct. It's for it's 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 for the boys.
0: No, uh, No, it's <laughs> I, I, I I know, I know. I, um uh Um, it's about how um Leonardo DiCaprio still doesn't understand Inception, and it's oh, like, oh, right, yes, yeah, and and not understanding Citizen Kane, a film that just goes to such pains, <laughs> and, or Inception, or like or The Third Man, mm. which, which are all films of basically consist of people explaining the yeah, film yeah. to each other all the time. Um, but A Man Escaped is uh, as as I was saying, is that these films, those films feel modern. Mm. Or, or Third Man the pace feels modern to me at least. And a man escaped is, is a film from the past. Mm. It's slow. It is languorous. There is a lot of shoe leather in it. And it is the kind of thing that I could very easily feel feel myself just tuning out of. Uh, uh, And and I often do like I watched Philadelphia yesterday and I found myself tuning out of some parts of that. Right. And, And I was six when that film came out, you know, Um, it's, it's good though. Mm. Um, it's, it's a lot better now that it's not the only gay film that exists. Right. You know what I mean? Like that was, uh, the major problem most of the time. And I think this obsessive point of view is is what helps keep it attentive is that you very quickly, the film trains you to be like Fontaine that you're desperately searching for ways out for new information um and i just think that's incredibly special yeah and i understand the hype so yeah what what were your expectations of bresson and how did this where does this fit into them
1: i knew more, more than you did this sort was of like style of his films because i i'd, I'd seen diary, diary of a country priest but when, when, when i saw that I, I, I think i was like kind of tired that day and so i fell asleep multiple times watching watching diary of a country priest and i haven't really felt any urge to like go back to it since since then but yeah with this yeah i was found it totally totally engaging and hypnotic the entire time and i'm uh very excited to to see uh pickpocket in, 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 a, in a few weeks yeah the two things that i uh, love the most in a film: uh, minimalism and maximalism. <laughs> uh, I love it when someone's able to like pull off the, this this sort of like style and make it actually work. And also, I love any film that is that is like actually like like meaningfully anti-fascist in like a in like a smart way, which I think this film absolutely is.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, so I think it's sound.
1: Yeah, I uh, would agree with you. I
0: I I, I want to say the thing that I always say. When films are really special, I cannot wait to see the the different things this film shows me about it myself as I watch it into the future. Yeah. Uh, do you think it is show or sound?
1: I think it is sound.
0: Okay, now, do you want to hear a half-star review of it from Letterboxd? Uh, yes, I do. I couldn't comprehend anything from this instruction movie of prison breaking. What were he doing <laughs> on Earth? Um, I think he was breaking out of a prison. Oh, was it? Was that the entire thing? That's the entire thing. Right? Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, a lot of the rest are people being like, oh, this is just style over substance and it's boring. And it just shows that there are a lot of people out there who are functionally uh, media illiterate. Yes. And yet able to vote. So, Ben, riddle me this. I've got an equation for you. All right. What happens when you get Rocky and lock him up in a prison? With the Terminator. And one of the guards is Vinny Jones. Yeah,
1: the the man who got the fastest ever red card in in football history.
0: Yeah. Gone in 60 seconds himself, Vinny Jones. The the doctor is the second in command of the Red October. Mm. And the man who runs this prison is Jesus uh, Christ. Jim Caviezel himself. The person of interest himself. What if I told you that this prison was a boat? I'll be like the equation. Oh yeah, I remember I, I sort of remember that from the first I watched the uh, movie. Now the uh, the equation is not yet done. Okay. So Slice Stallone has a team on his side, and on that team, Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. Oh, so we'll skip we'll skip, we'll skip. <laughs> Amy Ryan yep. from Gone Baby Gone and The American Office. And of course, Joker, Water. It's Vinny D'Onofrio. Can you believe it? That's I- the equation what does it equal out to? Uh, uh, I'm going to guess it equals out to a rollicking good time. I think it, can I tell you the thing that made me realize that I liked? Yeah, sure. no, no, no. There were many things throughout (laughs) escape Lane that made me like it, but the part where I'm like reflecting directly now, I'm like, no, I did like it. That film was two hours long. Right. (laughs) If you had been like, how long is that film? I'd be like, uh, 80 minutes, but no, (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a full two. And I th- like Mikael Hathstrom. Mm. If you're listening, no, the the moment I knew I liked it was because uh, uh, I did not know anything about this film. Uh, and it starts with uh, Sly Vesta Stallone, Rocky Balboa Rambo himself from the yep.
1: Creed film. O- Oscar himself. <laughs> From the movie Oscar. Oh. oh no, no, he doesn't play Oscar in that. He he plays Snaps Provolone in Oscar. Uh, and, and I can't
0: remember. The no, name. no,
1: no. First, of all, you got to laugh at the name Snaps Provolone, his his hilarious name from from the
0: movie Oscar. Once again, I'm laughing so loud. Snaps just... Provolone. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Sorry. You see, you you wouldn't expect that to be someone's name, right? What what name? Snaps Provolone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. ah!
0: <laughs> snaps <laughs> provolone yep ah! <laughs> <laughs> you happy now <laughs> yep I don't know where that went
1: yeah. that was like I think most of that laughter has been cut, but there, there was <laughs> like so you 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 did like a, 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 horr- a horrifyingly exaggerated laugh, and there was a point in that where his mouth was open so wide, and like his hair and his beard and stuff were all and just in the right place, but he looked exactly like the, the muppet Sweetums, and it was like it was a
0: bit, very upsetting for a second. Looking up Sweetums, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair. So I've laid it out for you: the equation of escape plan. Yep. What does that equal? Uh, I, I told you oh, it was yeah. a rollicking good time. It is a I. So, Sly Stallone is 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 in prison. Yeah, he's Ray Breslin is yep. his name. Starts a fight. He's he's chucked in isolation, and he does some funny things. He's looking around. He sees a guard smoking a cigarette. Yeah, there is a
1: montage exactly like beginning of Sucker Punch, where she's like being dragged through the. The hallway of a mental hospital, and she's like looking around. And you're like, oh, she's noticing a guard with a cigarette lighter, and then she's noticing a guy with a knife. Oh, it's that, but it's Sylvester Stallone doing it instead of Emily Browning. Yeah, he's hanging out in his cell. Uh, he's putting uh, toilet paper on things for some reason, but I was never yeah. fully clear on. Uh it's to jam the locks
0: so they oh. stay open, so he can reach through to the oh, key. right, oh, right, right, right. Amy Ryan shows up. Yeah, car explodes. Yeah, the fire people go out to it. Sylvester Sloan is one of the fire people, gets in a car, escapes. In there, his two good, great friends, Amy Ryan and, and 50 50- Cent Colon Blood on the Sand.
1: How, how many cents does he have? He's got 50 of them. Yeah. I guess he didn't get rich after all. Well, the alternative is die. trying. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I. He's a bad person, right? Well, probably. Let's Curtis 50, 50 cent, cent Jackson... Jackson. <laughs> okay, let's just. <clears throat> Here are the sections of Curtis 50 Cent Jackson's Wikipedia page. Right. Early life, career, then the career broken up into several sections. Yep. Number three, artistry. Four, business investments. Hmm? Investments, mining and heavy metals. <laughs> <laughs> Boxing promotion, and a subheading under that, bankruptcy. And then, of course, corporate positions. Five, personal life. Drugs and assault convictions. To be clear, it is the assault convictions I have an issue with there. Lawsuits. And then four subheadings under that. Oh, Jesus. Use of image. Use of name. Bamba sample. And, of course, the janitor incident. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, just to catch all other civil and criminal matters. And then section five, personal life, section six, feuds, <laughs> Jar Rule, the game, Rick Ross. Then finally we get to his and filmographies, neither of which are as detailed <laughs> as the subheading <laughs> lawsuits. Uh, uh, and they're like, yeah, we got you out. And then, and 50 Cent's like, ah, oh, if you, you took so long getting out, I was going to break in to get you out. And then Sly Stallone was like, no, no, let me out here. And he gets out in his uh, prison in outfit. In his
1: prison outfit. and he, a- he
0: looks like a regular con on the run. And a cop is a like. A Ron con. <laughs> and a cop is like, looks like we've got a Ron con over here. Yeah. Let's get him. And, and then uh, all
1: these police cars pull up. But, but 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 he walks into a phone booth by the side of the road. Yeah, puts
0: a corner in. Starring Colin Farrell. Yeah. He punches in some numbers. And he says. He says absolutely the coolest thing you can say into yeah. a phone booth. While. Uh, before immediately hanging up and being confronted by the police. Which is. Showtime. And who would know. But who is here to help him out. It's Vinny D. Low and order, criminal intent himself, <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, sugar water, genuinely one of the greatest actors working, yeah. and just literally a bull in human form. Uh, Yes, when he first
1: shows up in the movie, I'd forgotten that he was in it, and uh, uh, you see an out of focus blur in the distance get out of a car, and instantly he was like, oh, that's, that's D'Onofrio. Like, just everything about him is like so recognizable that you instantly just, like, recognize him and excited that you recognize him any time he shows up. And uh, he's so fun in this.
0: He's hanging out with Sylvester Stallone. I mean, later on in the movie, he gets, like, super weaselly. Oh, it's good. And so the head of the prison Mm. is now in a boardroom with Sly Stallone and Vincent D'Onofrio. And Vincent D'Onofrio says, this guy here. This is Ray Breslin. And... Our, we run a private security firm and what we do is we test high security prisons mm. to see if they're escape proof. We get contracted by the Federal Bureau of
1: Prisons yep. to go into uh, high security prisons and then break out of them.
0: Uh, and then Sliced Alone explains how he escaped and it breaks into this sweet as, like quite late 90s post matrix. There's a lot of like, I worked out the code. Because yeah. you've got real good chocolate milk here, and we flash back to him in his cell finishing his chocolate milk, and he holds up the ch- the chocolate milk box, and then and he, it turns into a wireframe model yeah. and opens. And he, he's
1: peeling off the like wax film inside the chocolate milk box, and he puts it on the keypad so that the next time the guard comes in from the cell, he pushes the thing on the keypad in, and, and he can see. Oh, here's where the fingers were. So now I know which buttons he pushed. And and so what he did to get out was when he was put in solitary a giant room with a 10 meter tall ceiling but there's no roof it's just it's just uh, uh open with like a metal grate over it uh, and there's a security camera in there and he was apparently uh writing something on a piece of paper
0: and yeah. uh his friends on the outside hacked into the security system and used a decoding algorithm yeah. on an incredible like hacking computer screen to decode his message for the precise time and this is all still within this sweet as 90s montage, yep. including like, which is like, you've got to know the layout, and so you get a shot of him glancing up at the prison. Yeah, and, and the entire and prison turns into blueprints. Into blueprints, and you're like, and it just, I have to tell you, I was rock hard at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> My grand <moff> was ready <laughs> nope, to nope, bust scrugs. Not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, this is, i I, I like, like, the The reason Sherlock got bad is not because uh, they ran out of time to do further drafts on scripts, even though that that's a real major issue. Right, it's because they stopped doing just sweet as bits of people explaining with floating text and wireframe models how things add together. <laughs> then uh, a woman from the CIA says, uh, "Do you want to look at another place?" And they're like. Yeah, and and long story short, he's taken there, and they're like, there's one thing, you can't know where it is, and then they try to secretly chip him, but when they pick him up, They dig the chip out of him.
1: Yeah, then they take him to this prison. Yeah, don't know where it is. No, but it looks like it's in a a, a land. It looks like it's on land. It looks like it's on land. It
0: looks like it's underground. Yeah, it
1: looks like. uh, I mean, it looks like they shot this movie in a in a in a
0: disused like uh, airplane hangar. Well, except for the establishing shot where it is clearly set in cabin in the woods uh, yes. where he is in a glass prison cube amongst many other glass prison. yeah and there's just
1: a ballerina whose face is a hole is filled
0: with teeth the thing you feel in that moment is like but and then Sylvester Stallone has to work out how to break out of a prison where he's always being watched and there, yeah. there's nothing and he can't talk to other people yeah this and, is our second panopticon movie <laughs> but Sadly no, Sly is not gonna find his way out of this most difficult of prisons. No, because Because, because the, this prison is inescapable. Well, and also because they very quickly let them out of the glass cubes, um, into a shared area where they can combine intelligence. Yeah, and and, and, and easily create an escape plan. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Say that say that again. They create an escape plan. I've got I've got a great idea for what this film should be called. <laughs> um and while down there he meets just average human Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah playing the character of like Emil Rothmeier or something yeah where we, you're like that seems like a made-up name the twist is it is a made-up name yeah this was the point where I was like no 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 this isn't just a film with a good opening this is a good film <laughs> uh for two reasons one is that as much as oh sorry it's 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 Rottmeier, oh. not not Rothmeier. Oh, of course. Stallone and Schwarzenegger have both very much become victims of the public idea of them. Yes. Uh, and, and, like, justified victims. Like, they yeah. they made the personas that the world mocks. you yes. know? Essentially as uh, mumbles and muscles, um, as Rocky and Rambo. No,
1: that's it's just Stallone as Rocky no, and no, Rambo. No,
0: no, no. No, no. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Rambo. Prove me wrong. He's getting out his phone. Famous, accurate source of information. The internet he's accessing. Uh,
1: There's Sylvester Stallone's filmography. Yeah. Fake news. There's Rocky
0: there. There's
1: First first Blood
0: there. Yeah, First Blood, not Rambo.
1: Well, I see. There's Rambo on the the poster because it's the first Rambo movie. You're lying. So. Here's the movie uh, uh, Rambo Last Blood so yeah, with the, the photos, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nope. yeah, uh, you you might not be able to tell because they both they both look uh, almost identical <laughs> in the fact that they are uh, 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 uh,
0: just like incredibly incredibly leathery uh, uh, muscle mountains. Yeah, they are they are turtle bags of potatoes. Yeah, um, <laughs> but them together, yeah, they yeah they have a justified persona for which they are justifiably marked. Mm. Um, but also, like when they're in a film like this, like. Still, I'm being like, yeah, I broke out of your prison because of your chocolate milk. You're like, oh, you are a movie star. <laughs> and when know Schwarzenegger's like, I'll work with you, but only if you promise to take me to my child or whatever the fuck he says, you're like, oh, that's right, you're great too. And then they're together. And then I noticed that in all of the conversations and their singles, mm. they're shot across so that you're catching a bit of the other person talking. Yeah. So that they're always in shots with each other. Usually, I guess, to be like, look, they're in the same shot. We've got so many times they're both in the same shot. That's what you want. You want muscles and mumbles in yeah, one shot which the is like, time. Which is
1: like, the year before this, they were in The Expendables 2 together. Yeah, uh, Where they are uh, constantly in the same scene, uh, but it seems like they were, uh, like, their parts were the shot on different continents. It's like... Like, the the way that movie tries to cut together all these people who've clearly
0: never met is uh, insane. But the, uh, And this is the point where I was like, oh, like, this director whose name I, I'm about to. is Mikael Hafstrom. Yeah. And this is so, so, like, Sweden's golden child. Yeah. Mikael Hafstrom is, I mean, Lars Halfstrom or um, Thomas Alfredson. Yeah. Or Michael Nykvist. I mean, did he direct, though? No. Uh, Ingmar Bergman. Who? Uh, you, you, you you mean Ingrid Bergman? Yes.
1: From A Journey to Italy? Yeah.
0: yeah well, Antichannic. Ingrid Icebergman. When it was like Icebergman ahead. I'm just going to spray some of this into my mouth. It's, <laughs> that, um, Finn has picked up some detergent spray into his mouth. He does know it's earthwise and. Thus, essentially, homeopathic water. God damn it. <laughs> so, if anything, you're just uh, rejuvenating yourself, cleaning your innards from all the sono you've been uh, watching. Uh, it, d- it does
1: say do not swallow, and if swallow, drink water and rinse mouth out. Contact a doctor or poison's information centre.
0: No, that's just oral sex instructions. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you have to explain to everyone. Do you not remember in, in health class when they were like, now there's the key thing you should know about when you're braining up a storm <laughs> it's that you should contact if you if you take <laughs> Yep. Yeah, you're gonna keep you are gonna keep you're going keep doing this bit. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. okay. It's somewhat what Scrugs.
1: I was gonna look myself in the mirror for a while.
0: What Michael Halfstrom is doing is that he is putting in more effort than this film deserves. Uh, Yes. Uh, And by by ensuring that Arnold and Stallone are in a shot together, we know, we can feel that they're in the scene together and we can feel them playing off each other. I was surprised by how much, like almost all of Schwarzenegger's content in the film is with Stallone Mm. when I was really ready for them to, you know... For them to have shot his stuff in half a day against a green screen.
1: There was a thing we found out when we were watching the credits. The second unit directors on this film were David Leach and Chaz Dahelski.
0: Of uh, Jonathan Wick, Atomic Blonde, and of course my favourite film of theirs, Fast (laughs) and and Furious (laughs) presents Hobbs and and Shaw. (laughs) A flawless film that's not at all a clear beginning of the end for a once magisterial uh, uh, automotive combat franchise yeah
1: this was sort of the like moment where like leach and stahelski were starting to get more noticed on expendables 2 Chase stahelski was like a stunt choreographer now on this he's doing like second unit stuff And mean one year after Chair stahelski and david leach were doing second unit directing on this he directed john wick one of the defining action movies of the uh, 2010s and uh i
0: think that's real cool yeah the, and the guy who runs the prison is corrupt. And vincent he's working with Vincent D'Onofrio, who's also corrupt. Yep. They have to get out of the prison. And there's a plan B. And you'll never guess they have to use a plan B. And at one point, Arnold Schwarzenegger is firing a chain gun off a helicopter. Uh, like, yes, he is. It, 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 oh, that's right. Uh, the prison... You know how before I said the prison was on land? Yeah. Ben, hmm? this is a glasses-off conversation. <laughs> it's on a boat. He's put the glasses back on. It's—it uh, it is Well, like... Because it's not so much that the film says it's on a boat. It's, you know, uh, um, Schwarzenegger puts on a big show. They put in the isolation cells, which are the cells with the big bright lights. Yeah. Uh, And Schwarzenegger um, puts on a big show. So he starts pretending he's lost his mind in German, yelling religious stuff in subtitles. Is this the best acting movie we've ever seen from Schwarzenegger? I, it made me want to say, "Like, yeah. I think there legitimately is something in Schwarzenegger as like a cult leader." Yeah. After oh, seeing yeah. this, as like there, there is a good and gripping drama that involves like extended scenes of Schwarzenegger kind of stuffed into a too small suit. <laughs> bellowing into a microphone about how the aliens are coming to save everyone Yeah, and
1: like seeing him like get to act in german i don't think i've ever seen before and he's he's super compelling
0: yeah that's a distraction because stallone is climbing up through some vents or yeah. whatever oh, okay so
1: so after the first time they were in these like light torture cells after they get out schwarzenegger requests a meeting with the warden Jim keviesel uh which is where we get the totally unimportant plot of the movie which is uh, there is some guy called a like, Mannheim, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, who, yeah. Who, who who Jim Caviezel is searching for because he wants to put him in his private jail or something. Not not super sure. And Rotmeier used to be in Mannheim's crew, and yeah. they're, they're like bank robbers to give him whatever. And so Schwarzenegger uh, he he acts like he's going to give Caviezel uh, the, the location of Mannheim, yeah. and then he draws um, a picture of a person bending over and an arrow pointing up their butt. Yeah, and says,
0: and I was like. In this moment, I was like, fuck, is this going to be a gay panic film? Is there going to be yeah. horror and prison rape jokes in it? And I got to tell you, that's the worst one, and it's not that bad. It's just <laughs> someone saying shove it up your butt. A nice thing about this film is that, admittedly, there's one woman in it, and it's Amy Ryan and the woman from the CIA. Okay, so yep. there's two women, yep. both named. Uh, they have a conversation at one point while talking about the job, oh, yeah. which does involve a man. Mm. Oh no! But anyway, it's 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 so close to passing the Bechdel test. <laughs> I mean, it does not pass the Bechdel test in spirit, even if it does on yeah. paper. You know, yeah. But it doesn't like. There's not a scene of people watching porn or photos of naked women on a wall. Like it is just nice to watch a film about like horrific masculinity attempting to escape a prison. <laughs> Um, that doesn't involve leering at women or the threat of prison rape. Like, it's like, no, no, this is, you don't need these things. What you need is Sylvester Stallone climbing up a flooding elevator shaft and he gets to the top and he opens a hatch and he gets out and he's like, I'm free. Then he looks around, there's water, oh no. And then there's this incredible CGI zoom back to reveal that he's on a definitely real and uh, not incredibly digital big boat. Yeah. Like a real like audience at home. I want you to shut your eyes and imagine a very, very big boat. And I think it's like one and a half times that size. Yeah. Godzilla could stand on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, in, it's episode nine or eight of, uh, neon Genesis Evangelion where there's the, the Ava, when you meet Asuka and she, she fights in Ava too. Um, he's shrugging as if I just don't like Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is um, a story about how uh, robots should fight giant monsters, but the robots are also giant monsters yeah. inhabited with the spirits of children's dead mothers by their evil father.
1: It's mainly just Hideaki Ono's, like test run for eventually being the star of the wind rises.
0: Uh, and, of course, making the best Godzilla film. Oh, right, yes. Cutie yeah, yeah, yeah. Honey, the OVA. Yeah,
1: making the best Godzilla film cuties.
0: Um, making the best Godzilla film Gotti. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you sitting down? Well, you, uh, personally, I think you should save us for our eventual Gotti episode. Finn, I'm so excited that you have your new position as the head of Universal Films.
1: The head, the head of Gotti Industries. And yep. I
0: know that, like, obviously you've got a lot of money in in, in Godzilla versus King Kong, mm. but I have a pitch. You've seen a lot of the success that, that DC have had with them making one shot films. Yeah. And I think maybe building a monster versus isn't the right idea. I have a quirky, but I think accessible take on Godzilla, which is hear me out. It's Godzilla, but instead of CG or A Man in a Suit, mm. it's. Just John Travolta, <laughs> and I want to be clear—he's not in a model city. Uh, Regular scale, John Travolta living what I believe would be his normal life. Wh- 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 and, wh- wh-
1: which city is this in?
0: Um, ah, oh, uh, 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 L.A. I presume.
1: Okay. Um, and yet, a- a- any any particular neighborhood of L.A.?
0: Be- Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. Um, oh, classic. classic. Um, it's the one <laughs> I know. Uh, Inland Empire uh, uh,
1: uh, It's also
0: Echo Park the, ah, It's a classic one what, West Covina
1: I think so No, I think that's a town
0: Yeah, I don't yeah, think, yeah Anyway, everyone is reacting to regular-sized John <laughs> Travolta going about his normal everyday business as if it's a Godzilla attack I mean, I So it is like I, will, I goes, would not be
1: surprised if that's how people react to seeing John Travolta in the street <laughs> anyway
0: He goes down to the shop uh, to get a packet of cigarettes and people are like screaming falling to the ground (laughs) there are helicopters trying to stop him you
1: you see Vera Farmiga (laughs) kneeling next to a nuke you're you're like
0: we've got to stop him and so yeah they they plan an escape and they escape.
1: In the scene where Schwarzenegger is tells Jim Caviezel to find the guy with his butt or whatever, Jim Caviezel and his goons then start like beating Schwarzenegger, and Schwarzenegger jumps onto the ground and secretly grabs like a thing out of the floor. There's like a covering on like a drain or something. That drain covering is what he passes to Stallone the next time they're in the mess all together, and that's what Stallone uses as a screwdriver to undo the screws uh, in the bottom of the torture cells. Uh, so that he can climb down the ladder into the like, guts of the ship and try and find a way to escape.
0: I think a key thing to understand as well, if you've not seen this film, yeah. which I do heartily recommend, is that Leterrier, as Fontaine, uh, uh, in, a, in a man escape, is this slight uh, willowy figure yeah. and constantly darting rat-like to hide things about his person. You see all these meticulous steps of, like, I take the Y you see where in his mattress he's hiding it, mm. where in the wall he puts divots where he's scratching things. You buy it. But the thing uh, uh, about Arnold and Sly is that they are, uh, as we've described, uh, Komodo Dragon's uh, made man. Yes. Um, and, th- like, there's a scene where um, Sylvester Sloan steals something from... Uh, the the doctor's surgery yeah and he does this by just clumsily falling over grabbing something and then just like shoving it in his pocket yeah and
1: and, and as he grabs it he knocks over a giant tray and as a massive clattering sound
0: um and it is just absolutely the least convincing secretion uh, of of contraband I've seen in in a good long while uh, let yes. me tell you um and yet. Because this film is so clearly in such a heightened state and is trading so uh, transparently on these two as like movie stars, yeah. um, like you buy it. Like uh, it, it's absolutely within the universe.
1: Not sure I did.
0: I didn't buy it, but I didn't care.
1: I guess, right, right. Point. The moments where Wesleyan where and Schwarzenegger have to like try and be like stealthy or like nimble, those were moments where I was like, no, this is not working for me but there are very few of those moments. We understand for the most part that we're not totally going to buy those guys doing that.
0: Yeah, I and mean, so it's best to make sure that they not, don't. No. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so much of this just becomes about them as big old platters of steak <laughs> bar- barreling out of things. And I, But I just, there's a beautiful simplicity to how it feels, how it thinks, and how it moves. Yeah. That is just about, like, it, all this film wants to do is kick ass, and it mostly does.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, I think, and that a good fair.
0: clip, and I, I and like Stallone and Schwarzenegger as 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 media personalities as performers were built to do this. Were built to have like a scene where in the mess, Sly Stallone, who is of course a master structural engineer, has built like a sextant out of broken glasses, yes, and give it under a table to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's like, give it to your guy, and. uh I've worked out roughly where we are in the world. I think we were by Morocco.
1: They, they give a sextant to a called Javed. In this prison, there is a surprisingly large uh, contingent of observant uh, Muslim yeah. men. You see them, like, praying in, in, in the corner a bunch of times. They often get in fight with Stallone and Schwarzenegger. And this guy, Javed, is their leader. They give him the sextant so that he can... If he's able to get outside, he can uh, work out where they are. And he goes to Jim Caviezel and he says... Hey, there's going to be like a prison break, and I can tell you about it if you uh, let me go upstairs so that I can pray to God in the open.
0: But I thought that was a double cross. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And of course, he gets a heroic death later, and that was part of like another moment of like, oh, is this film accidentally shite? Um, is when it introduces Islamic people, <laughs> an Islamic population, and an, exa- an Islamic lead supporting, you yeah. know? Uh, He has what we could gently call a character arc in this film. Yeah. Uh, Almost. He has the closest thing to a character arc that this, this film would have. For sure. Considering that Stallone's is that he's good at escaping prisons and he escapes to prisons. And uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger's is that he's saying he's one man, but actually he's another. Yep. Um, uh, uh, that was the whole plot to get him out. The CIA woman is his daughter, spoilers. Yeah, who is,
1: it? is an actual CIA person.
0: I was, like, I was very ready for this film to have some just incredibly unwelcome Islamophobia. Yeah. But it's, it, it's treated as an aspect of the character in an underground on a boat prison being able to accurately pray towards Mecca is a legitimate concern Muslim people would have. Uh, And it's never mocked. No one is evil because of it. And I thought that was, yeah, you can't take that for granted in a film called Escape Plan starring (laughs) Sly Vesta Stylone and Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: Um, Well, uh, I mean, Sly Sly has a history of of, of being (laughs) friends with Muslims in movies. Rambo Free is,
0: it's dedicated to a brief
1: Mujahideen hitting fighters of, of Afghanistan. God, that's
0: right. Uh, but like a scene of them mumbling together at a mess hall about how they work a sextant and get out of there is kind of what they are built to do as movie stars. It's like, this is what I want to see them do. And then I want to see Sylvester Stallone climb a ladder into a, uh, water pressure canister that shoots him out of the side of a boat. (laughs) One while Arnold Schwarzenegger fires a chain gun off a helicopter. And that's what happens. And, And that's what happens. And I was like, I, I, the thing I think the closest comparison to make between a man escaped and escape plan, apart from the fact that the log line of each films <laughs> identical, you know, man needs to escape prison and does, hmm. um, is that they know exactly what kind of film they want to be. And it, it's that kind of film incredibly well. Do you Know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and in a way where, like, I there is no bit of escape plan apart from like it existing within a narrative of to- toxic masculinity <laughs> that uh we need to spend the next couple of centuries forcibly unweaving from the tapestry of society. Where I'm like, oh, it's a guilty pleasure because you have to ignore the homophobic jokes or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's why I think it is sound. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand? But I think this
1: absolutely isn't shite. This is like a two and a half star movie to me. This is like yeah. functional. It's not inspired in any way. I think it, it it does what it sets out to do. I think this is like absolutely like right in the middle of, of shite and sound. So, Yuva, do you want to hear a five star review of Escape Plan? Oh, uh, yeah. By, by Letterboxd user uh, Ren Hargo. Oh, Mr. Hargo. Yeah. Love his work. I'm a little bit late to the party. But you know what they say, Better late than never, you see. I grew up with these two dudes in the 80s and 90s. They were my Iron Man and Captain America. They were my Batman and Superman. They were machismo personified. Superhuman ass-kicking machines. And then I start this movie in 50 Cent, who I like as a rapper but not as an actor, that shows up. And the movie is a little silly and cheesy and a little flawed, so I start to worry. I then realise it sort of feels right because it captures the essence of those action films of the 80s and 90s. Then I get to that scene where Arnie and Sly are on that screen together. And I fully understand that it is better late than never. Then these two living legends in their old age show us how it's done, how they will never lose a step, how the chemistry is there and how they elevate the movie way above and way beyond any expectation I had. This movie gave me everything
0: I would ever want from it. Better late than never indeed. And like, I kind of agree with all of that. How, how many stars did you give it? Two and a half. Two, that, I think it's a solid three. No, oh, no, I know you do. I, I I think it's slightly worse than you do. So, Finn,
1: what are we watching next week? Next week we are watching Chris Marker's *Sans Soleil*, uh, a film I know uh, nothing about, uh, but I'm excited to see. And with that, uh, we are
0: watching Steve O'Derkirk's *Kung Pao Into the Fist*. Two collage films. Let's look into the minds of two great visionaries of cinema by interpreting what they see when they look at and recontextualize other cinematic work where can people find you online Finn uh, who cares you can find the show on twitter at Pod or email us at shitesoundpod at gmail.com check out our website at shitesound.com you can find me at Lives on your various social medias and why not check out my newsletter sign up at bit.ly slash lives. our theme song is The Nucks by Kazan Bland. you can check them out on Bandcamp movies are good even bad ones go, go watch them In the face to Keisha Castle Hughes. Yeah, from uh, Game of Thrones. And The Whale Rider and Nativity Story. Oh, she's on FBI Most Wanted now.
1: Oh, of course she is. What did she do to get on the FBI's Most Wanted list?
0: She stole that whale, huh? Sorry, the thing you're missing is that I'm laughing so much <laughs> it's going out of the range of the microphone. No, no, but you. No, but you. Why, why,
1: why is she on the FBI's Most Wanted
0: list? <laughs> just i'm laughing so
1: hard <laughs> no because you see the, the name of the name of the show that she's on is also the name of a list of criminals and so when you said oh she's on fbi most wanted like that could be the name of the tv show but it might also be the name of that the famous list of criminals and so i was like oh what did she do to get on this list How- i'm not i'm not sure you're getting it yet. <laughs> <laughs>